Hey everyone, this is Joey DeGangi, your co-host of the Business Intelligence Podcast. In this episode, Dr. Wong and I discuss a subject I'm really passionate about, the food allergy industry. We'll talk about the medical condition and the business opportunities that result from creating safe products and other experiences for this growing medical community. I just want to remind everyone that I am not a medical professional and that you should always consult a specialist. This is Business Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wei Chun Wang. I'm an entrepreneur who's passionate about all things business. As a trained economist with consulting background, currently working to educate business professionals in a college setting. I constantly gather information, advise my clients, teach students, and train people with the best practices. In this podcast, I will provide intelligence in business management, economic and data analysis, digital marketing, and international business strategy. Let me help you navigate the complexity in this challenging and dynamic business world. This is Business Intelligence Podcast, and I am Dr. Wei Chun Wang. Tuning in for another episode of Business Intelligence Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Wei Chun Wan. I'm here with Mr. Joey DeGangji. We're just going to open up today to discuss uh, uh, an interesting industry that lot, not a lot of people have thought about. Um, that is the food industry. We um, have cons- been consuming food since the beginning of time. I mean, obviously, if you want to survive, you need to consume food. So food items are generally very, very consumables, meaning that you purchase one time, you're going to have to come back and do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Joey, I mean, do you want to explain a little bit more about the food industry? I mean, there's a reason why we picked this industry because, like I said, I mean, a lot of people have been overlooking the importance of, importance of the industry uh, and how you know the entrepreneurial spirit helps shape this industry. Also,、uh, is closely linked. With the economic development、uh, and, the, and the different economic、uh, development stage of、uh, different countries. Yeah, so I think you know I know you're going to talk about this a little bit, but I think kind of the breakdown, like different stages of where your your economy is at, the focus on what the most important elements are related to food,、uh, you start to see that change over time.、And、I think that's a really、um, it's a really interesting observation that you made. Right. So with respect to the different stages, I I, I personally, I mean, this is not. An invention of me. I mean, I, I've、uh, come across literature that talks about、um, how there are different tiers in the food industry、uh, with respect to the development stage. The first tier would be access, right? So if you are in the economy that is less developed, you worry about whether you have access to food, right? Right. So you gotta have enough food supply,、yeah. uh, without you know even thinking about. You know what the food is that you're eating. You just want to have enough food so that you don't starve. That's the first tier. And then as the economic development progresses, you would enter into the second stage, which is food safety. You want to make sure that your food supply source is not contaminated.、Um, it's safe to eat so that you can sustain yourself.、Mm. Right. And as you move along and move forward、uh, in the economic development. People start thinking about whether or not the food that they're taking in, 
would impact their health, right? So you want not only to be able to um, to survive, but you want to also sustain, right? That's really yeah. the third tier. Yeah. And and as you look around the globe, there are a lot of, uh, uh, especially advanced economies that are pretty much at this stage where you have a lot of people that really care about their fitness, they really care about what they're eating. Um, and, and as a result, you see pretty much, uh, you know, uh, a lot of entrepreneurial endeavors that focus on, you know, the energy bars, for mm, example, yeah, yeah. the healthy products, and encouraging people to uh, pay attention to the ingredients uh, and all that. And I also see um, a lot of movements uh, to promote whole food, right? So you right. want to purchase products that are not processed. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in the days, you know, in the second tier, when uh, people are worried about the safety as well as the supply, or sec- the first tier, when people are not having enough supply, they they couldn't care less about... Yeah, the, the health is just a luxury at that point. Exactly. Yeah. And now, you know, we slowly realize that there have been conversations uh, revolving around um, food mileage, for example. And yeah, that's that fourth tier. That, that's the fourth tier, right? So a lot of literature has been talking about how now people become more environmentally conscious. They want to make sure to not only to support local farmers, but they also don't want to impact the environment when they pick their food to, to consume. So you, you, you look at the um, less economically developed countries, you know, we, we still have lots of those around yeah. the world. And, yeah. um, but if you look at, for example, the United States, we're probably stuck in between the second tier and the third tier, right? Mm-hmm. So people start paying more attention to the products that they're, they're taking in. They care about their safety. They also care about the, the health impact. Um, to a lesser extent, um, you know, the environmental concern is being discussed. But really, I mean, it's really the, the sweet spot of the second tier and the third tier that we're being caught in between. Yeah, I think that's where we mostly are. Right. And, and the reason why, again, we want to talk about this industry is um, this idea is generated by um, my conversation with Joey um, uh, on his passion about um, the, um, uh, uh, he's allergic to food. Um, yeah. And, and, and that, again, is a pretty recent phenomena that we start paying attention to people with food allergies. Yes, yeah, so that, that is obviously an industry that I'm very passionate about. That's where I got my first start as an entrepreneur. Um, and I'm, I'm personally, I have, I have a life-threatening uh, allergy to both peanuts and tree nuts. And so to Wei Chung's point, that's something that really kind of started coming onto the scene, at least in the, the epidemic levels that we're seeing now uh, over the past 30 or so years. You know, when I was first diagnosed, it was in 1996, so it was very early on into when food allergies were starting to come onto the scene in a major type of way, um, and it's evolved so much over, over my life. Um, it's gone from where my, my parents originally had to, you know, go out to conferences and, and do all this work just to, to learn about what's going on with it. To now, where there's so many different support organizations, and there's an entire industry built up around uh, the prevention and management of food allergies. So it's really taken off over that time. So I'm gonna let let you take the driver's seat in this, Joey, because you obviously <laughs> are the victim of, of of this food allergy issue. And grow up, I'll tell you, you know, growing up in Asia, mm. that's less of an issue for me. I I haven't been able to 
acknowledge uh, that issues, uh, you know, with the people that 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 I know. Uh, but that's also probably the result of lack of testing, and you know, and you mentioned the thirty uh, in the most recent thirty years that people start paying attention to it. I mean, could you comment a little bit on that? I mean, so this issue was not there thirty years ago. Not not to the same extent where it is now. Um, I think part of that, like you said, is with testing awareness as as those kind of come onto the scene more. I think we're kind of able to understand it better. But also things with how I mean, there's different theories about what causes food allergies. But to some extent, you know, the the way the food is prepared, the way uh, children are raised, and that that I, I've heard uh, some interesting talks on how that might be a factor of why you see it more in Western society. Um, just because practices are different. So the problems you encounter in, in some areas of the world lead to certain issues, and the way that you're you're raised and, and in other parts you, you get food allergies as part of that end result. So in talking about food uh, that'll trigger uh, right. allergic, allergic reactions, it, it really helps us frame the four <laughs> tiers, right? I mean, yeah. we're, we're caught in between the second tier and the third tier, which is food safety and health issues, and I think the food allergies reflect perfectly um, on, on both ends. Mm. So could, now, to, to kind of give our audience a little bit better perspective, how, how big is the market? So in the United States, you're looking at uh, 32 million people, so about 10% of the population are affected by food allergies. Um, food, and the foods that can trigger an allergic reaction, um, pretty much anything can technically uh, trigger an allergic reaction. I know there's well over 170 foods that are listed out as, as potential allergens. In the United States, you're going to really hear about the top eight or top nine, or what it's usually referred to as. Uh, and those are peanut, tree nut, sesame, wheat, egg, soy, uh, dairy, egg, uh, shellfish, and fish. And now sesame is the, that ninth one that um, is, 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 is the people are realizing that's one of the main triggers. They account for, a pro- I think it's about 90% of, of most people's allergies. So those are the main ones. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we've gone out to, to eat uh, multiple mm-hmm. times in the pre, pre-COVID uh, times. And, and I, I, I myself am very curious about food allergies yeah. because I know nothing about it, right? So cross-contamination is an issue that this is something that I learned from you when we need to identify a restaurant that is safe for you. Yeah. Um, so are we talking about, um, you know, how, how would the restaurants and the food suppliers handle the demand for um, people with this issue? So I think one of the most interesting things, and this comes from a company called Allergy Eats, but they did a, a really interesting report. So they basically what they do is they help families find restaurants that are capable of handling uh, food allergies effectively. And what they call, they, they use the term veto vote, uh, which, you know, if you have a family of five with you know, maybe a peanut allergy that you're trying to avoid, that entire family will skip over a restaurant that can't handle the peanut allergy in, so they can protect their, their one person. So really, you know, it's 10% of the population that has the allergies, but you start to realize how that grows exponentially over how, me- how much that affects the food market. And that's one of the most interesting stats that they, they talked about. I, I saw a, ta- a conference that, where they discussed it. So the buying power that gets affected by the one family member with a food allergy is, is really powerful. And so restaurants need to, you know, I think it starts with awareness, so just understanding what food allergies are, what the best practices are, and, and really developing their everything from staff training uh, to making sure they can 
provide a safe environment for people that are affected by food allergies. So, wow, that's really um, encouraging, right, from the business opportunity perspective, because yeah. you're not talking about just 10% of the population. Now, that's just in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, how about, how about other countries and other continents? So, you see a high number of food allergies across Europe, um, Canada, Australia. I know are, are other areas that, are, that have pretty prominent food allergy populations as well. So, again, focusing on, on Western societies where you see a lot of that uh, impacting the economy. So are you saying that, for example, in the Asian countries that this is not a thing or this is not an issue? Is it because of strictly because of a lack of testing or is it because that genetically they're not affected? I, I think it would be some of both. So I think there is uh, just the, the awareness of it, which is something you know, I, I experienced and had some I, I saw firsthand when I was living in Asia for, for nine months. But also the um, the conditions again, where of, of how you're raised. I think you know, and, and there's still from some of the allergists that I've seen talks. Um, they're still trying to figure out exactly why that is. But one of the talks I I went to it, it was titled uh, "Dogs and Dirt." So the idea of just the I think in Western society there, there's so much like almost like over sanitation to the point where your immune system isn't ready for introduction to, to allergies. I, I want to make sure I'm not butchering any of this, but the idea is that if your your first contact is uh, through, through I think it's uh, through like oral, mm-hmm. your immune system isn't as prepared for it as though it, as if it comes from skin. So in, in a society where, you know, the, there aren't these like over-sanitized uh, situations, that's where you start to find um, you know, you build up a higher tolerance. And that was one, just one theory, for example, that why they talk about why you see differences in cultures. Now, does this also impact how the pharmaceutical uh, companies operate? I mean, I, I'm not sure whether there is a research and development effort coming from the pharmaceutical companies trying to find a cure, uh, if you will. Can, can this be eliminated? Can the, uh, you know, food allergy be eliminated through the use of medicine or treatments? So there's definitely some really interesting uh, companies that I've seen that are working on different types of cures. A lot of it uh, comes down to like just building up a, a tolerance to whichever you know allergen that you have. Um, going you know kind of you, you can look at uh, environmental allergies as kind of an example of like what they're working towards. It's it's much it's more easily accomplished on the environmental side as opposed to the food side. But so for example, if you have a cat allergy. They, you know, it's the protein in cat hair that causes the the skin to break out, and you have your your reaction. Right. You can go and get a, uh, like, I think it's like a two week schedule. You go get an injection okay. of some of that protein. You start to slowly build up the dosage, um, and there's different types of therapies like that under development. Um, I've, I've even seen they have like a, a peanut toothpaste mm-hmm. that you can use on a daily basis that oh. slowly starts to. To build that up, and I know some of them. Have, I think there's one or two that have moved on to further testing with the FDA. Okay. So I know there's a lot of these types of things in the works, but at the moment there's there there is no cure. Well, I asked the cure question because I really want to understand it from the business perspective, right? I mean, right. I, you know, I I hope you agree with me that this this field, um, you know, includes a, a tremendous amount of business opportunities, right? right. So you would obviously want um, there to be a cure, but if there's a cure, then that wipes out the business opportunity for the, for the food um, manufacturers to focus on providing um, you know, food uh, that, that is um, not gonna trigger food allergy uh, issues for the people that have it. 
so I, I would think that, you know, food allergies are, are here certainly to stay. Um, and I think one of the things that's important to mention, too, is the fact that uh, even if they figure out how to, you know, the peanut protein, for example, and, and help people, um, you know, get over that, that, you still have all of these other foods that can trigger allergic reactions. Makes sense. So it's not a one-size-fits-all with even how that allergy is, is triggered. Mm-hmm. It's, one, it, it's a similar outcome, but peanut allergy is different from fish allergy is different from soy allergy. So for a non-expert like me, I've heard chatters in the marketplace that talked about how uh, there might be a conspiracy theory. Um, for example, like the gluten-free food, mm. is it really that serious? Um, I mean, can those people, um, you know, without, uh, without trying to offend anybody, but, you know, just coming from a non-expert perspective, could you talk a little bit more about, for example, like the gluten-free food? And because I, I know, again, it, it has this tremendous amount of business opportunities because I've seen a lot of manufacturers that jump in to create uh, gluten-free um, ingredients and products uh, that encourage purchases. Yeah, so I think that you, you probably touched on one of the biggest, uh, you know, like one of the scariest misconceptions out there in, in the food allergy world. I mean, there's certain foods like, I, you know, if, if it's peanut or tree and allergy, people usually are pretty familiar with how serious right. that can be. Um, but certain things like dairy allergy or gluten allergy, you think, oh, it's you know, it's right. the same as lactose intolerant or right. uh, you know, just gluten intolerant. It's not lethal. It is as lethal as oh, as really? pe- yeah, wow. absolutely. That that's one of the misconceptions where you unfortunately you hear stories about yes. people um, you know passing away because right. those you know certain allergies aren't treated with as much care or, or seriousness as others. Wow, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. It's really scary, um, and. And then there are different conditions. So, like you touched on, uh, gluten free. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can have a gluten allergy, you can have celiac disease, you can uh, just believe in the gluten free diet. All, all of those would have the same consumer behavior of, of purchasing gluten free food or asking, you know, uh, uh, a chef to prepare something without gluten. Mm-hmm. But the the degree of risk. I mean, there there is it. It can be it is as life threatening as not allergy. So I, I, I really um, become more intrigued about this particular segment in the food industry um, after I've, you know, come to really know your, your yeah. conditions. Um, and, and, you know, I, what I like about this is that you could create um, products that are uh, really taking care of the food uh, allergies need, and the normal people would still be able to consume them without having any risk. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's that's why you know I I have a chance in my personal endeavor I get to work a lot with uh, companies that provide these types of food, and just from an objective standpoint, like they they're very like my whole family's enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be they're safe for the right. person with the food allergy, but they are they can be made delicious for everyone else. So on that note, can you comment a little bit on the research and development front um, on the ingredient side of things? Because for example, like we. I, I love peanut butter, right? Mm. Um, and, and fortunately, I don't have uh, food allergies. But is there any company out there that are working to come up with probably ingredients that are safe for people with the symptoms, but also carry a very strong peanut uh, butter uh, flavor for yeah. you to enjoy? So, for example, there's one company I had the chance to sample them at a, a food allergy conference called Sun Butter. Uh-huh. They use uh, sunflower seeds, okay. and they replicate the peanut butter texture and taste. And so I tried it. Obviously, I didn't have anywhere, anything to draw off of, so I asked 
the person who was with me, I, you know, I said, Emily, can you tell me, does this taste like the like peanut butter? She's like, yes. So I, yeah, it, she, by, by her uh, uh, explanation, they, it, it matches the, the sight and taste test. And I, I guess the takeaway would then be like for peanut butter manufacturers, right? So when, right. You, when you create peanut butter uh, uh, products, you are automatically excluding 10% of the population. Plus. Plus. Yeah. Like my, my parents, for example, they didn't eat Reese's for 18 years straight out of fear of accidentally leaving the wrapper somewhere. It could touch my, you know, a plate that we use at home. Mm-hmm. If they, you know, if they, it can, I mean, it can be skin to skin contact. So if, wow. you, if they just, you know, give me a, a pat on the back, huh. it could trigger some type of reaction. So they, they, they uh, stayed away from all peanut products for the entire time I was, I was growing up. Is it is this specific for you? I mean, because of the severity of your your symptom or condition. I mean, would would you say that there is a spectrum of conditions that, like people might have like minor reactions to the exposure of the peanut butter? Or so with food allergy, I mean, you want to treat every every food allergy as though it could be as you know a, a life threatening reaction. With when when you hear talk of severity, usually it has to do with um, the amount of product. Like the the it's called the part per million that can trigger the reaction. For me, it's a very low amount that could trigger a life threatening reaction. Wow. Uh, for some people, it might take a higher degree or like a higher exposure, but that's you know it's still uh, has always has the potential to be life threatening. So they'll tell you one reaction doesn't predict future reactions. Mm-hmm. Things like the amount of exercise you've done prior to the reaction, uh, if you've been consuming alcohol. All of these things can affect how easily uh, you go into a full anaphylactic shock and you have that life-threatening experience. Mm-hmm. And one part per million, I, I think the, they, they say like, uh, one drop in like a gallon mm-hmm. is, is a pretty close equivalent. So like your part per, it, it can be like 0.5 parts wow. per million that can trigger uh, a, a life-threatening reaction for people. Wow. So now, you know, as an economist, I would say that the invention of processed food is really a blessing, right? So back in the 50s and 60s, that invention of frozen food, for example, like frozen pizza, mm-hmm. um, you know, actually increased and enhanced the labor participation rate for women. Right. Um, and so talking about processed food, you know, for people with food allergies, you know, you, you only have really one safest route, that is to consume whole food. Because mm-hmm. that's when you don't have to worry about the wrong ingredients being put in an apple or in a, in a banana that you, you consume. Whenever you want to consume processed food, then that becomes a risk. How did, uh, you know, according to your knowledge, how, how do the uh, food manufacturers, for, for processed food manufacturers, respond to the increasing market need for people with food allergy symptoms? So this, that what, what you'll see is that they'll set up uh, dedicated allergen-friendly uh, or allergen-free facilities. And those allergies, I mean, it depends on what they're avoiding. So there's a great company that I work with um, called The Greater Need. What they do is they, they are a top 12 free facility. Um, they won't allow any of the, the top allergens that they stay away from to enter the facility. They don't use shared manufacturing lines, mm-hmm. but they take full ownership of that, that entire like supply chain to deliver that food to you to make sure that's free from what you're, or th- those, those allergens. And so you mentioned in the uh, previous answer that there, there are some sources for you to pick restaurants. Yeah. Um, and how do they make out? I mean, they are not providing food. 
you know, those platforms or medium. They're not pro- providing food, but they still benefit from people with um, the symptoms and conditions. So are you, are you forecasting this to be a, a more relevant industry going forward because of the increasing need? Yes, I think any 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 way, shape, or form that you can provide information. I mean, that's talking back to when I was talking about like my my family growing up. I mean, the challenges they they faced that 25 years ago, learning about food allergies. Um, you know, there's just such a need for better information to find resources. Whether you're traveling, whether you're staying at home, whether you're you know in an emergency, there's always this need for for better and quicker access to to information. So I'm trying to pound maybe the dead horse. Uh, how do you? How do we then frame this market better in terms of business opportunities? Like as a person with, with this condition, um, what do you want to see more? Because you know I think that's going to provide some insight as to you know people who want who try to understand the food industry more. Because we, we can't avoid food, right? right I mean, of you, it's a highly consumable industry. You yeah. you know once you create something and you want to make sure that people uh, you know come back and frequent. And, and this is highly consumable enough that um, that's going to generate constant revenue stream uh, if you do it right. And and now we have a natural segmentation in the market, right? right. So we have a very different a, a group of people that that comes with a very different need. What do you like? What do you want to see? What do you like to um, uh, to see that you know people contribute to this industry? So I think if you're in kind of like the consumer like side of things if you're creating a product that's dedicated free from you know whichever allergens you want to avoid if it's peanuts tree nuts soy anything like that i think there's a ton of market opportunity just to provide consumable goods that are allergy friendly and if you're on the restaurant side i think it's uh, really upping the awareness mm-hmm. and being able to provide a consistently safe experience this is something that's been observed uh, statistically and and anecdotally in my own life uh, the loyalty of food allergy families. Um, we'll, 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 we'll go to the same five restaurants every single year we go down there. We know they're safe, we know they taste good, uh, and, and we, we feel some level of comfort with you know, taking you know, me, me there that we're not gonna be exposed to peanuts or tree nuts. So the loyalty that you see with these families, I mean, if you, if you really wanna build up a consistent customer base, I mean, just from the, the pure business side, if you can deliver a safe, reliable experience, there is a ton of market opportunity in being able to do that. So for all restaurant owners out there, um, have you seen like a dedicated food allergy free menu section in the restaurants? Or maybe that's a that's an opportunity that people haven't been tapping into? I think that's certainly an opportunity. One company that's done a really fantastic job with that is Disney World. Uh-huh. Because they want to create the safe right. experience for kids everywhere. So. Right. We we went uh, the past year before right, uh, you know before the the pandemic shut everything down. Um, every single restaurant we went into, we were able to call ahead of time when booking the trip. So before that, we said, hey, we have one in the family with a food allergy. They had that pop up when they would take our when they would check in for our reservation. Mm-hmm. The waiter or waitress would have that notification before they even come to our table, mm-hmm. and then they would bring a separate menu just for me that was free of mm-hmm. the top eight allergens that I talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So every single thing on that menu was was safe for me to consume, and they would ask me if I had any other needs or requests or anything like that. But they came loaded with a preset like think of questions for me. So if I'm understanding it right, it's not just a food supplier. It, 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 it actually takes the effort of a village, right? Yeah. So, and, and again, from the business side of things, I, I think it, 
uh, presents a tr- again a magnificent amount of uh, opportunities because you know we're talking about coordination, we're talking about how the information is being presented uh, logistically, um, you know uh, how things are being arranged. You know everything is coming back to revenue generating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's power in information. And so you can, however you deliver that and however you can provide that safety, there's all different angles to attack that problem from. And because there is this true need, it's life-threatening, right? Yeah. So in the allergy community, food allergy community, um, just to provide the audience uh, kind of like a better perspective to understand this or make it more relatable, are there more like centralized sources of information that people resort to? Uh, yeah, there's different databases uh, online that have information. Some some websites that are dedicated towards uh, providing guides on on friendly products. Some dedicated towards providing information about restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll find different things like that. There's a lot of uh, different online communities. Facebook is an area that mm-hmm. you know. Whenever I you know, I, I see a lot of uh, chatter on Facebook groups mm-hmm. that are just usually uh, parents that are sharing notes with experiences with each other making recommendations on products. So there's all of these different channels that are out there. What I'm thinking about is, you know, you talked about 32 million people yeah. in the United States that, that share symptoms, yeah. right, food allergy symptoms. Do we see, like, demographic breakdowns in terms of age and locations of these people? So the biggest distinguishing factor is going to be uh, children. Okay. Because it is a, a rel- it's disproportionately affecting the, the younger generations. Mm-hmm. I'm part of kind of like that first major wave of, of food allergy kids that's starting to that are starting to grow up. Okay. Um, but you still see for the next, you know, at least the next 18 plus years, there's going to be consistently uh, more people and you know entering adulthood that have have wow. had food allergies since they were younger. Um, you're we're, you're seeing numbers go up of adults that are now all of a sudden developing food allergies. Um, so that the demographic breakdown might change as we learn more about like adult onset food allergies, but yeah, by and large, it's going to be the younger, uh, younger people among us that have the, the condition. So you're really piloting this, right? Because you're first the, the the first part or the earliest part of the demographics that again grow into adulthood. Yeah, it's that first wave. You know, now it's on a, a massive scale. You're seeing people entering, you know, young people entering the workforce with food allergies. It's huh. gonna, I think, it's gonna start affecting where before it's always been the restaurants, like these family huh. locations. Now, I think uh, the impact on, you know, even from HR standpoint, uh-huh. you know, like some of the procedures and stuff like right. that within the workplace, uh, all of these things, I think, are gonna start to become more and more relevant over the the coming years. Because now, you know, we're the we're the first wave, but it's been going on since I was young. So, okay, at least 25 more waves coming. I, you know, I love the fact that we, we started talking about the food industry and now you're providing segue into, you know, maybe discussion of other industries and how, you know, the rest of the world um, is being impacted by, by, by people with the condition. Um, because you talk about, for example, the, on the risk management perspective, yeah. you know, I, I know that most people are working from home because of the pandemic right now. I mean, but in a work environment... Um, how would that um, uh, create a liability to the companies that hire uh, people with the symptoms without really uh, paying attention to um, th- their conditions uh, by providing them maybe fringe benefits of, you know, the cocktail party or, you know, a tea party or, mm. you know, uh, wrongfully giving them food that will trigger the, the reaction. 
that's a liability issue and th that's going to affect how companies operate as well and you know uh, hopefully that doesn't affect the, the hiring decisions of the companies and perhaps legal industry would have to find a way to respond to this right so i know food allergies are are covered under americans with disabilities act that's awesome so yeah there 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 are legal protections in place uh for that kind of thing that came originally from you know people uh want to make sure that they can be safely taken care of on, right. on airlines and, that, and there's still an ongoing there, there's still ongoing struggles in in the airline industry but you know it, that's where the legal protection i think stemmed from with getting included in the ada okay now aside from the food industry is there like a food allergy consulting business that exists oh yeah yeah i, I, <laughs> I see your face you think i'm making it up but no no they're I've worked with some, uh, you know, trying to find ways to help them, uh, you know, reach new audience members. But yeah, there, there's an entire food allergy consulting industry for uh, private, like, so like helping families and coaching them, uh, coaching wow. uh, colleges and, and wait staff, uh, counseling, because I mean, just the, and that, I think that's one of the most overlooked parts of the food allergies, but I mean just the anxiety for both the parents and the person right. with the food allergy that, right. you know, every every food item is potentially, you know, you, you have to be on guard 24-7. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're, you're finding that there's niches within the psychology industry mm -hmm. of being able to just lessen some of the anxiety associated with managing the condition. So the entrepreneurial possibilities is really endless. Yeah, I mean, it, you, you think about the way food affects every facet of your life. Right. If there's a, a potential negative, right. you know, interaction with food, it, it affects every facet of your life. Right. So it's the same the same level of, of opportunities to, to help more people with that. Like, it, it touches everything that food touches. Unbelievable. Well, I, I personally have learned a lot from this conversation, and I, I hope that I ask enough insightful uh, uh, questions so that uh, our audience also benefits. Um, is there any final words that you want to give, um, you know, to raise awareness? Yes, I mean, I think the, the biggest takeaway is, is, like you said, just, right, you know, it starts with, everything starts with awareness. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right, you know, understanding what the condition is, understanding the, you know, the severity of it, you know, every food allergy is potentially lethal. Right, so just Starting there, and then trying to, to understand more when you when you have a family member or a friend with food allergies, um, you know, they're if you give them a chance to explain it and share, I think that's something I've benefited from. I've had friends, family, and coworkers that have always wanted to learn more, mm -hmm. uh, and that makes it easier. I, I find it particularly interesting again from the business perspective, right? I mean, for you restaurant owners out there, um, this is a missed opportunity if you haven't dedicated anything. Yeah. on your menu or uh, your effort towards um, serving this particular population. Um, there's This is something I think, you know, not only where business opportunity exists, but, you know, you know ethically, yeah. um, as food supplier, we need to cater to the demands of, of these people, um, you know. Um, so, again, I think there, there are plenty of entrepreneurial opportunities that exist in here, um, and I think with your expertise, we're, we're here to help. Um, if, yeah. if there is anything that, um, you know, uh, we could benefit your uh, business, because it's not only just the food supply. If you're not in the food supply business, you know, knowing that potentially your customers would be one of, one of those people that have the food allergy condition, conditions, you should probably try to find a way to cater to their needs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Morally and economically, there's, there's a lot you can contribute with that. 
Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's uh, podcast, and uh, we will see you next time. See you, everybody. Bye.